Welcome to episode 68 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we are talking about how efficiency often comes from necessity, but doesn't have to. We share some of the ways that we've increased our own efficiency, whether we have full calendars or not. And we offer some suggestions to help you get what you want to do done. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. Let me complain. (laughs) I hate the idea of hacks productivity hacks, efficiency hacks, life hacks. I find the word quite cringy. And so I'm prefacing this with the suggestions that I make today are the ideas. I don't think of them as hacks. So further to my complaint last week, I saw a reel about a quote life hack where someone realized that they could take ice out of the ice cube tray, put the cubes in a freezer bag, then make more ice in the same tray, repeating the process until they have oodles of ice in said freezer bag. They called this a hack. And I'm like, this is not a life hack. This is just a sensible idea that anybody who has made ice would understand. So now that I have that out, when we're talking about efficiency, this is not about hacks. I have not hacked any system. I am not giving you any infomercial level. I have the easiest way to do this. And your life before was a disaster. Instead, I want to share a story, how it's changed some of my thinking and some of the things that are helping me along the way. The reality of my life right now is that I have a lot less work time than I used to. A lot less. I had a baby five months ago and I took one month off, worked part-time for the next two months, took another month off because I always take July off. And now I am back at it from August until the end of December. For sure. I'm back part-time. I am the primary parent right now during the week. And until the end of this year, we have the luxury of having hired a baby nanny for six hours a week. She comes to our home. She takes care of our lovely child while I am in my office doing my best work. My partner is the primary parent for another three hours during the work week each week. So I get three half days a week. I have nine hours. So yes, I have scaled back some of my work, but I've also increased my efficiency partially because I have to. But as I started doing it because I had to, oh boy, it has given me insight into how I can be more efficient just because I want to. I have never made decisions faster than I am right now. I have never been so focused on what I want to do and why it matters to me. I have pulled back on some of the procrastinating and some of the fear and some of the overthinking simply because I don't have the time. 
what I want to make sure happens, and part of the reason that we're recording this episode is because come January, when I do have full time again, I don't want to look at the work that I was able to do in nine hours and do the same amount of work and have it take 30 hours. That's not the answer here. So when I'm looking for more time, it's not so that I have more time to overthink. It's so that I have more time to do other stuff. We've talked about the Pomodoro technique on the podcast before, and it sounds like your life is the Pomodoro technique right now, because you have these limited chunks of time that you have to get it done in. Exactly. And I'm also, there's debate over sleep when the baby sleeps, and I'm not going to get into that. I sleep when the baby sleeps when I can. Okay, here I am getting into it. (laughs) I do sleep when the baby sleeps, but I also, Robin and I have this system where it's like, okay, we have 20 minutes until this nap is going to end. Let's get as much as we can possibly get done in 20 minutes. And, And so it is kind of a race against the clock. And it's also not at the cost of doing a good job. That's something I want to emphasize. When I'm talking about efficiency, I'm not talking about cutting corners and doing a shitty job. Instead, I'm talking about how can I do the things that actually matter most in a quick way without compromising quality, but really getting better insight into what actually needs me and my attention on it. Liz, you've had an interesting work schedule in the last few months. So what has your relationship with efficiency been like, let's say in the last three or four months? Uh, the last three or four months, I took a lot of time off with, for the first time ever, I really embraced the idea of vacation and not, not working very much. As a result, uh, I feel like I have been less efficient because I don't really have set hours. It's like, yeah, maybe I'll do an hour or two today and then I pick away at something. So I would say I've been less efficient because everything's just been very kind of loosey goosey. Like my schedule hasn't been very set. I've just been kind of poking in and getting this stuff done. Of course, I always meet my deadlines and things, but I've had the, the luxury of being able to kind of just pick when I want to, which is strange for me, a little unsettling for me because that's not the norm for me. When I have a typical full schedule, so this fall, <laughs> life will be very, very different for me. I'm a, I'm a very efficient person. That's, that's the name of my game is efficiency. I'm very scheduled out. I have uh, lots of Uh, like lists and uh, certain amounts of time set aside for certain things. Uh, And I think that the, the way that I've operated the last few months has been an interesting sort of experiment for me because it is so different from how I typically run my work and personal life. That is interesting to me because in some ways, because you took time off and this was by choice, some of the things that you would normally do might take longer which in some people's heads, it's like, oh, you're on vacation. You want to get this thing done as fast as possible to get it done. But when there isn't a deadline, it's kind of easier to just kind of flow with it. Liz and I keep doing this like hand action, loosey goosey, whatever. It has felt a little bit like unstructured playtime. I know that I've had to be creative and do stuff, but maybe I'll work on something from nine till 10 I'll leave my computer on the table. Maybe I pick it back up when I'm done lunch, if I feel like it. And that's a, that's a luxury that I've been able to 
to play within because I, I don't always have that opportunity. Well, what was it like when you first committed to taking a lot of time off? What was it like to sort of retrain your brain from this hyper scheduled, super efficient to now I have these big blocks of time that I can work within and I have less work than the time it would take to do it. It felt unnatural and it still does because I am the ultimate type A and to, I call that type A plus. Ooh, someone asked if I was type A and I was like, oh, I'm type A plus. Also, I love validation. Please give me the gold star and the sticker and the A plus. I love, I love that (laughs) type A plus. I will be using that. Uh, So it felt really strange to me. And I, what it's, so we're recording this at the very end of August. I started taking time off at the beginning of May. So it's been four months. I had to count it on my fingers, need more caffeine. Uh, So it's been four months of playing within this and I'm, I'm still getting used to it now that it's all coming to an end. Uh, It's just because I have been a working human for how long, and this has not been the schedule that I have operated under. Uh, So it's been lovely, but also comes with its own challenges because that's just not, that's not the day I know. It's one thing to be like, here are the months where I'm not working as much, where I have more of that time where I can go to the gym in the middle of the day, or I can sleep in if I want to, but then to have to shift that into now you're teaching full-time that transition period it's almost rewiring our brains to go, okay, this is now a different, a different way of working, a different way of thinking. I was just talking to my mom about this the other day, uh, because she's going back to school. She works in an elementary school and she's also a school bus driver. So she had the summer off. So she had all of this time to, to do the things that she wanted to do, but she, on a normal school day, she gets up at five 30. So the last couple of days, week of August, she was getting up early because she had to retrain her brain to get back into that schedule because that's so different than how she spent the last couple of months. And so I feel like I've been taking a similar approach with doing a little bit more work. I had a big project this month that I had to turn my brain back on for, and it felt like I was doing stretches and warming up a little bit to get back into the routine. A hundred percent. That warm up period is very normal. I imagine a lot of parents with school age children are going through that too. Robin is going back to teaching this term. And so same thing. He has four days in a row of classes at eight o'clock, like beyond feeding a baby. Robin has not been up to work at eight o'clock since whatever it's been eight months since his last class was at that time. And he is not a morning person. So there is that retraining, um, eight of eight o'clock now seems like nothing bless you, Francis. Shout out to your 5.30 a.m. I hope your routine is working for you and you have good coffee. The retraining process has been happening for me. Again, this is like out of necessity. So this is when our work demands at our schedule demands at the time of the year is saying it's time to, to kick it up and get our brains and our bodies ready to go. But there's some elements of this efficiency that I want to keep even when I have a lot of time to work. I still want to make sure that I'm, I'm using this efficiency to my advantage because there is uh, it's called Parkinson's law. And the idea of Parkinson's law is that the amount of time that you take to do a task 
Like the amount of time you give yourself is how long you're going to take. So for example, if I say this task is going to take two hours, I'm going to use those two hours. If I tell myself this task is going to take 45 minutes, it will take me 45 minutes. So I have become somebody who will overestimate the amount of time that something takes and I will use all of that time. And so in my head, I'm having to do some readjusting going, does it actually take me that long? Do I really need to plan out eight hours to make a slide deck? I hate making slide decks. For the record, Liz also just made a gross barfy face. We both hate this. This is one of the make it moments. I will know I have made it when somebody else makes my slide decks because I hate them. And I have to believe there is somebody out there who wants to synthesize big ideas into a beautiful graphic format and make my slide deck. So one day that will happen. Um, I have been paying attention because I have such limited time. I've been paying attention to what gets me more efficient. So I want to share some of the things that have been working for me in hopes that if you are somebody who wants to be more efficient, but your life may not be forcing you in that direction, you might pick up a thing or two that helps you do more in less time and not compromise the quality. Again, we're not about cutting corners, but it's really looking at, do I need that much time to do this particular task? So one thing that has helped me be more efficient is that I am trying to get into the habit of responding to emails as soon as I read them. For many people, they're like, well, of course, what else do you do? I have a habit of reading an email. I'll read it on my phone, if I'm in bed or on the couch, and then I mark it as unread and I think I'll deal with this later. This has happened two or three times with one particular email. And then all of a sudden I respond three days later. I am trying to get in the habit of when I see an email, if it's on my phone or my computer, I respond right away. It's getting something off my desk. An unintended consequence isn't the right word, but an unintended result is that it's also challenging me to look at email on my phone less. It makes me think if I have to respond to emails, I want to do it from my computer. So let's have that during dedicated work time. I also have a note on my email uh, at the bottom of my email signature that just warns people that I'm working part-time right now. My response time is not going to be as fast as it usually is. So they are pleasantly surprised when the response comes quickly. And that's something that I want to keep. Even when I have 30 hours a week, I want to respond to emails immediately. Another inbox related uh, efficiency tool that I've been using is that I am resisting the urge to have the last word on an email or sending the thanks again, or I'll send a calendar invite. I just send the calendar invite. The person gets the message. I have never had anybody be upset that I didn't respond with the final thank you. You don't need the last word in emails. Let's save all of our inboxes. It's enough to read something and go, yep, yeah, I know that that's read. And if there is an action item, I respond to that particular thing, but we don't need to have more of the back and forth. I also trust that if somebody needs something that I've missed or that I needed to respond to, they're going to come back to me and ask for that. So for example, Liz always sends me the recordings of our episodes. Once it's all produced and ready to go, she sends it to me. 
I only respond if there's a change that needs to be made, if there's an idea that I have, but you know, I got that email. I'm not ignoring you. It's a, I read it. I'm just saving both of our inboxes. A big thing for me is again, this Parkinson's law. I have a deadline of Wednesday at the end of the day this week, we are recording this on Tuesday morning and I had a deadline Yeah, Wednesday end of day to send a slide deck for a speaking gig on Thursday. And I knew that I had until Wednesday. I finished that slide deck on Monday morning. And I thought about sitting with it. So I'm like, I want from Monday morning to when I, from when I finished it to Wednesday afternoon to when I actually have to send it to change it and tweak it and see if any ideas come up and just make sure that I have it in my hands if I need it guess how many edits I actually need to make. Sometimes I don't need that once over again. I've already done it. So one thing that's helping me be more efficient is that I am sending something off before the deadline. Not to prove that I'm amazing, not because I think that I have to be ahead of every deadline, but because I want to call something when it's done based on when the work is finished, not on the timeline. So sitting with this slide deck for an extra two days would just be this invisible pull of how else can I make changes? Are you sure it's done? Is there anything else that you want to add? As opposed to, no, I'm confident with where it's at on Monday. Let this sit as is. So again, I'm not doing this to to be a superstar or to say, oh, I'm so good. I've handed my work in early. But as a me thing saying, let me get this off my desk. This connects with the idea of getting things done. In episode 62 of the podcast, we talked about how routine is a better friend than inspiration. And feel free to go back to episode 62 and dig into why I think this. The short version is that routine helps me get things done. I want to finish things before I start more. I will always have more ideas. I will always have more to talk about, but I can't dig into those things in the way I want to, unless I wrap some things up first. So for me, efficiency is goes hand in hand with getting things done and completed so that I can start the next fun and sexy thing that I want to. Now, one thing, Liz, I haven't shared this with you yet. There is a DM in our Instagram inbox and I'm afraid of it. It is probably nothing, but there's a voice note that is sitting there for two days. Liz knows this. And I am letting fear hold me back. Liz, have you listened to it and marked it as unread? No, I don't typically listen to voice notes because I know they're for you and it's probably not something that I can answer. So I always leave those for you, but I know that it's there. I know you know it's there and I know it's probably destroying you that it's been there for two days because that's not the response time I like. You know, I have been on Instagram. As I was working on this script, I had to step back and go, okay, Amanda, time to eat your own dog food and listen to this thing. Just get it off my plate because what it is, is probably not nearly as scary as I think it is. So when it comes to a lot of my fears. I'm like, efficiency is my goal right now. How can I rip off the bandaid and just be done with it? Good or bad. I want it finished. 
So that is my name of the game right now. Liz, knowing that you are going through a, a transition from having more time off to now having a full schedule, what is helping you or what do you hope helps you be more efficient? So something that I really lean on is, is splitting up my work based on how much time I have that week. So I will always prioritize getting a workout in for the day, or I will always take advantage of the fact that I can have an appointment in the middle of the day. So I tend to plan my personal things first, and then I have we'll call it like a master list of all of the tasks that I need to accomplish. I write that list first and then I can assess what I have to do and then look at my schedule. How much time do I have this week or how much time do I have on each day? And then I split up the tasks based on how much I know I'm going to want to do that day or the time that I have. So this fall, and into next year, I'm te- I'm on campus two days a week. So I know I only have three days in my office each week. So I can reference that master list and then split up the tasks accordingly. If I have a workout at noon, well, then I know that I have, you know, that hour and a half around that time slot that no tasks are being scheduled for. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a highly scheduled person, but always starting with what do I need first and then planning the the tasks from there. And I found that to be a really good system for me. And it, you know, I always, I always meet my deadlines or I'm ahead of them. I do good work and it really seems to be a system that keeps me efficient and also happy, which is important. I imagine a lot of people are just being shaken by the shoulders right now being like, wait, you put your, your workout in first, you put your massage in first or your acupuncture appointment. I think many of us put those in last schedule my work in, and then maybe hopefully I have time at 4 p.m. on Tuesday where I can do it. But that's the stuff that goes in first. So then you can kind of chunk your time around it. Yeah, it's it's really worked for me in that I don't resent the work uh, because I've taken that time for me uh, and I'm taken care of first. And by having the opportunity to go for a workout or to meet someone for coffee or go for a massage, which I have one this afternoon that I'm very excited about. <laughs> by doing those things first, again, I'm, I'm almost treating it as that Pomodoro method because yes. I, I have used X amount of time already today for me. So I have this amount of time left to get the work done in and I will get the work done in in that time. Ages ago on the podcast, we talked about uh, the Productivity Planner, which is a a book. They also have little individual like task sheets. And what the Productivity Planner does that I think is genius, number one, it makes you think about the one thing a day you want to complete. And it challenges you to say, if this was the only thing you did today, you'd be happy. And then it says, these are bonus things. What are the next two or three things that you hope to get done, but they're not essential. And it also challenges you to estimate how long each of those is going to take. So from the get-go, you have a sense of, I think this is going to take me about three Pomodoros or an hour and a half, let's say. I think this is going to take me about an hour because again, if we use my slide deck example, if I give myself two hours, I will get that shit done in two hours. If I give myself eight hours over four days, 
I'm going to take eight hours over four days because I'm going to tinker and try and wait and maybe rethink as opposed to sit down, get it done in one shot. So more and more, I'm trying to take this one shot approach to my work. So instead of reading an email, marking it as unread, I reply right away, right? Instead of going back and forth on editing, I send the project as soon as it's done. So that is my like one shot approach that I'm trying right now. Again, for me, it's because I have nine hours of work a week, but the ultimate experience for me will be how can I get my work done in nine hours a week, even when I have 30? What could become possible if I kept my work, kept my productivity, my quality of work up in nine hours? What could I do with those other 21? So just because I have the time doesn't mean I have to use it all. Last week, I joined a, a call. It's called the Monday Morning Moxie. It's in Coach Jenny's uh, coaching membership program called Make It Happen. I've put a link in the show notes. She has a 15-minute conversation with all members who join on Monday morning, and this conversation was about creating a not-to-do list. We have oodles of things to do. We make to-do lists weekly, daily, hourly, but this conversation was about being intentional about what we aren't doing. I have found that this has helped me get to the crux of what I actually want to do by figuring out what I'm not going to do. And so in this challenge, I stepped back and I said, one of my not to do items is freaking out about October. I have a few clients who we've taken the summer off from our work together. One starts back up in September. The other one starts back up in October. So I have explicitly said, I am not going to worry about October until the third week of September because I'm going to put so much time into worrying and freaking out about October that it's going to compromise what I can actually get done in the next four weeks. Liz, is there anything on your not to-do list that would help you be more efficient? Mine are, mine are very much like things that I try not to do in my day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Going off of your strategy around email, a couple of things that I do not do or are on my not to do list is checking emails constantly. Like I'm very intentional, especially when I'm in the middle of a project to not even have my inbox open. I try and only check it a couple of times a day or else that takes up way too much brain space to see that little that number increase up in the tab next to inbox. (laughs) I need to borrow that because I do this and I let that, I let it bother me and I let it distract me. So yes, I need to borrow this. So uh, checking emails constantly is on my not to-do list. Also related to email is when I do catch an email shortly after I've received it, I can write a response, but I schedule it so that I set expectations about response time. Uh, So no one needs to know that I'm responding to it two minutes after it lands in my inbox. I like to schedule it and set that expectation for when, for when the responses do come through. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's another thing on my not to do list. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the third one is a, a challenging one for me. And it has to do with my phone. I, my phone is the enemy. <laughs> I do not or try to not check it too often, which is challenging because a lot of the work that I do 
requires a phone. Uh, so when I'm not working, I try and put it away. And you know, I'm never not on do not disturb. I'm always on do not disturb, which I think has helped me. Yes. I love this function. Oh man. Do not disturb is our friend. Mm -hmm. So on my not to do list is, is checking the phone. I know that if someone needs to get a hold of me and I have settings that if there's an emergency, certain people's calls can get through. So I'm taking care of there. But I know that if someone has sent me a text or sent me an Instagram DM, it'll still be there when I'm done doing what I need to do. Mm -hmm. How does this work with your Apple Watch, Liz? I have no notifications on my Apple Watch. When my phone is on Do Not Disturb, so is my watch. That's what I was going to say. A notification thing. I don't have any notifications on for Instagram. Me either. When I, when a comment comes up, anything it's when I check it. And that also helps me because the constant binging is incredibly annoying. There are so many phone settings. I'm, I'm like you where I'm on do not disturb much of the time. So if I check it, it's on me. I have notifications shut off, which again is interesting. And if there are any other social media managers listening to this, it's like, how, mm-hmm. uh, how, do, you, how do you keep an eye on your client accounts? And I take the same approach to checking those accounts as I do to checking my email. I check in sporadically throughout the day. A comment does not need to be answered within a minute It can be answered within a couple of hours and everything will be just fine. Uh, So I take, I take that approach as well so that those, those pop-up notifications don't suck me in. It sounds like your efficiency is also about kind of creating a circuit. Totally. So I will have this circuit of at this point in the day, whether it's every two hours or every four hours, whatever it is, I will check my email. I will check my Instagram, I'll check any social media notifications, comments, deal with them then and there. But it's when you have time set out to do it. It's like me with my email. I read it at a time when I'm not going to respond. So why am I even reading it? It's just creating this excess pressure. Absolutely. And I don't have those circuits scheduled every Mm. so often when I have a really busy day. And I know that everything is back to back. I will set alarms on my phone Mm -hmm. uh, for like every two or three hours as a reminder, like just pause for a moment, go check those things to make sure like nothing's on fire in the client account comment sections. But otherwise it's kind of when I think of it and when it makes sense, but absolutely it's kind of an, an ongoing schedule. This conversation in and of itself is making me think of other ways that I can do this. And one of those is like, I have seven tabs open in front of me. Do I really need seven tabs open in front of me? There has to be a better way. And the productivity consultant, Ashley Jansen, we will link to her in the show notes. She's absolutely brilliant. She is a big advocate of not checking your email first thing in the day that you will get to your email. Your inbox is, is your own but do the bigger projects first, similar to how you schedule a workout and your time first. Ashley talks about working on the projects that you want to complete first. You will respond to others in time. You will always get there, but you will be better set up to actually finish things if you focus on that stuff. Ashley has recently written about how she has spent an entire year writing every single morning and publishing every single week. 
So every day she starts with her writing practice before she checks her email, because if she checks her email, it's so easy to get stuck in this loop of, I have to respond to this. It'll just take a second, 45 minutes later, the time you had scheduled for writing is now gone and you move into the next thing. So it's also being cautious of what time are you willing to give away versus what do you want to keep for yourself? So I'm here with my planner mapping out what September looks like. And this episode has me pretty jacked. I'm excited to like sit down and I want to use my time. And how do I pick up some of the things that Liz is doing that I remember about Ashley talking about? Because if I have nine hours, I want to use it in the best way possible. And when I have 30 hours, I still want to use it in the best way possible. So at the risk of, of being meta, this is also why we keep our episodes around 30 minutes, because at least in our experience, listening to a two hour podcast is a lot. And often it takes me several car rides or a couple walks and breaking it into chunks just doesn't help my brain. So we've been really intentional about that. It's also why we have a regular schedule because it helps us plan. We need to have two episodes recorded for each month. So it helps us with setting our expectations for recording time, producing time. Thank you, Liz. And making sure that we get it out every two weeks because we know we're accountable to something. So in the name of efficiency, we also know that catching our podcast regularly may not be the best system for every person. So I will shamelessly invite you to follow me on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, where we share snippets and tidbits and other cute small words of big ideas. So little ideas or chunks from the podcast that we pull out. Our intention is that if you pick up the phone and come across our page or search out our page, you see something that's going to keep you going. That's going to fire you up, make you think and get you on your way to do what you do best. So as we wrap up today's episode, I want to challenge you to think about one thing that you are going to get done without overthinking it and see how it helps you finish faster. As we wrap up this episode, I'm going to go listen to that DM, that voice recording that I am scared of. I'm going to rip off the bandaid because I am tired of seeing it sit there. And I want to get on to other things. This fall, I am working a limited schedule, but I'm really focused on ramping up my speaking for 2023. So if you know of any conferences, events, or companies looking for an engaging speaker to present big ideas around increasing impact, empowering people in their communication styles, virtually and in person, selling and marketing in thoughtful and creative ways, and of course, channeling ambition in meaningful ways. I'm your girl. That is exactly what I do. I love being on stages, whether they are a virtual or in person. And what delights me most is that I leave audiences ready for more. I want people to leave and take action. So if you know of anybody or you yourself are planning an event, please find me at theamandawagner.com, fill out that contact form and we will be in touch. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better and share your story with the world, you can connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit lizpittman.com. I am so eager to get off this recording and go make my calendar for the fall. Liz, thank you for this discussion about efficiency. I'm borrowing a few things from you, ripping off some band-aids and let's get shit done. There's still four months left in the year. Let's make it happen. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, we will see you on the internet.
my, could you hear my chair squeaking? Not even a little bit. Oh, I was, I was being very intentional with how I was moving throughout that conversation. I heard no squeaks at all. Oh, good. Oh, but good. maybe in the recording, you'll hear like, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I, I also hope not.